We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm going to put it out there. This team should compete for the AFC East. The, P- the Patriots are a step back. The Bills have Josh Allen as their quarterback, and I've got zero confidence in that guy. And the Jets are a dumpster fire. So, no, the, the, the Dolphins should compete for the AFC East. We should be talking. You and I will be chatting in December. Uh, at Hard Rock Stadium, and he was like, "Adam, you were right. At, at whatever they are now, eight and six, uh, you know, maybe seven and five, whatever their record is when when the calendar turns in December, they're not going to be great, but they're going to be good enough to put themselves into contention if they win games down the stretch to make the playoff, playoffs. Anything less than that, Ruthie, is a massive disappointment. This is one of the most improved teams in the National Football League. They have a quarterback who was their team MVP last year." They have a running game to speak of with a good offensive line, a better offensive line, and two solid running backs. And I think the defense has a chance to be special. I think they have a lot of playmakers. With the with the league uh, expanding the playoffs to 14 teams with seven from the AFC having a shot to go to the postseason, the Dolphins should be in that conversation. Welcome, everybody, to another AFC East Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Drew Gear, and that's my Chris Krueger, both of us with the Rock Pal Report podcast. That is Adam Beasley from Miami Herald on Sunday Sports Final talking about the Miami Dolphins. Now, Chris, that is what I'm talking about, preseason confidence. And every single AFC East fan base has it in spades right now because it's week one. This is it, folks. Week one of the NFL season. 
Did you ever think we'd get here? Did you think we'd make it here in one piece? Uh, yeah. I just wish we could go to these friggin' games. <laughs> it is a tough pill to swallow, but football is back nonetheless. It's damn true. It doesn't happen. It doesn't work like that. But that doesn't mean that you can't take a demoralizing step backwards or an energizing and encouraging step forward. And that's the theme of tonight's AFC East Roundup. And for those of you just tuning in for the first time, this is the AFC East Roundup podcast. We are the Rock Bell Report. And in years past, we'd take 20 to 30 minutes of our show, maybe closer to 20, and every week we would dissect the games around the division and spend some time just kind of riffing on our rivals, making jokes at their expense, talking about what went on in their games from one week to the next. But what good is smack talk if there's nobody around, if there's no one around to be offended by? So with that in mind, and Chris, I guess at the same time as a sports fan, it's always interesting to me to find out what life is like on the other side of the fence. I mean, that's why we do our interviews with other podcasters. We do preview shows with them. Rather than us pontificating about some other team, I want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. You'd agree with me? Yeah, you got to win the. You want to win the division. You got to know what's happening within the division. Chris, that's been a thing that we've relied on for years, and it's something that just as a fan, like I don't want to just make fun of another team without having somebody else on the receiving end of it with a little bit of skin in the game. So with that in mind, the AFC's Roundup podcast every week will bring you multiple interviews from around the division. Insight and opinions from knowledgeable people, all of whom share our passion for sports and smack talk. And this week, we're talking about three questions. Describing your 53-man roster now that cuts have started in one word. What a week one win and loss would mean to your individual team. And how confident you are versus your week one spread. All right, so there's no better place to start this conversation. Kickoff week, NFL football, real, real tangible NFL football. Then with our esteemed guests covering the Miami Dolphins, Mr. Alfartiaga, how are you today, sir? Very well. <laughs> how happy are you that we can finally stop postulating about things and we can get to real football? Yeah, we actually get games. We, we actually get to watch football on Thursday and football on Sunday, and the games matter. There won't be any fans, but the games will matter. So got to be grateful for that. Oh, my God. Chris, I feel like we've been dying a slow death over here over the past few months. Yeah, the last, you know, since COVID really hit, it felt like years have come off my life. <laughs> so I am very grateful that football is beginning this week. And Chris is a, Chris is an introvert. Chris is a person who would rather be by himself. So if he feels that way, God only knows how the rest of us normal human beings feel. Now, Elf, the theme of the night, we've got three questions that we're asking everybody. First off, if you had, now that, now that cuts have happened, the roster's been trimmed, finalized, you know what your hand of cards looks like going into week one from a roster standpoint. If you had one word to describe your roster, what would it be? Young. I would say young. Another word is talented. Team is talented. If I could use two words, not deep. So... Yeah, they can't take injuries this year. Uh, if they don't, if they stay relatively healthy, they have a pretty talented squad, and they could challenge for an above 500 record. Okay, so is it fair to say that out of the things, the thing that you're most disappointed in then would probably be the depth? Is that fair to say? Yeah, because uh, we really don't know what we have on the offensive line. We like a few of the guys that have emerged, especially our, our first-round draft pick, Austin Jackson. He's played really well in camp. And then we found this guy, Solomon Kinley, who was a late, later draft pick, 
who's become a starter. And Robert Hunt, truth be told, the only reason that Robert Hunt is not starting is because they don't want to start three rookies on the offensive line, so they want to have a veteran at right tackle. So we're pretty happy with what we've drafted. And that's not even getting into the cornerback, Noah Igbenagane. You see? I could, I could name his name. I was gonna say, he's going to be just, a star. We just refer to him as alphabet soup. That's, I, I don't know how to say it, and I'm not putting the requisite thought into it. I, well, I do okay. give props to the Miami Dolphins website. They do have uh, the actual players' uh, audio clips of them giving their own name pronunciation attached to the roster on their website, which is mm-hmm. pretty sweet. That's actually really innovative. So then, so if that's what you, I mean, it sounds like it's kind of a catch-22 because you're happy about the youth. You're not as thrilled about the lack of depth behind him. Mm-hmm. Now, you guys are going into live-action football with this roster that you you seem fairly confident about. You seem to like, at least you have to, better than what you had last year. Yes. When you look at this Week 1 matchup, you guys, it's, it's the Miami Dolphins against the New England Patriots. With this new schedule format that the league rolled out a few years ago, you pretty often get a divisional opponent and you get them early. I mean, this isn't mm. college football. There's no, there aren't any time for tune-up games. Even if these technically are tune-up games, when you figure we haven't, these guys haven't seen live-action football and they're getting thrown right into the fire where the outcome matters. First of all, do you think that hurts or helps your team? I think it helps our team, especially early in the year. You get to you get to get them when you're completely healthy, because what's what's going to undo their hopes of trying to get to ten wins, which I don't think is likely, is that you know the, you know how the NFL is every year. Uh, it's 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 a war of attrition. You don't end up with what you had in September, so you're gonna lose a right guard. You're gonna lose a defensive tackle. You're gonna lose your Mike backer. You're gonna lose a cornerback. So by the end of the year, the teams that are deeper usually are healthier to go on with their seasons. And the Dolphins can't afford too many injuries, not with the squad. So I guess in that sense, the lack of a preseason for you guys was something of a boon. I know that there are some teams that have really mm-hmm. been hampered by that. But when you put it like that, I can see where you're coming from. Now this game- Yeah, our own, our own Chris Kaufman on our own podcast did a study on it. He did a quick study on it, which is to say that he just compared um, – the injury reports from the last few years to this year, and it's drastic as far as the injuries that they've saved by not having these preseason games, which suggests that in the f- in future years we're probably only have two preseason games. Well, and, and I would support that. And that's really interesting because a couple of years ago I started this. It was after one particularly bad off season for soft tissue injuries just across the NFL. And I started looking into it, and I actually, now the guy runs his own website, uh, bangedupbills.com, but Dr. Kyle Trimble, he's an orthopedic doctor. And I was just looking at the raw numbers year over year over year, ever since the new CBA that reduced practice time got signed. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, I see, I see, as a layperson, just analyzing data, I see a ramping up here of soft tissue injuries. What do you think? And he helped me, and he got into it with me, and it's actually what launched him down the road of starting to write about football injuries and produce audio, and now he's working for SB Nation's uh, Bill's website. So mm-hmm. he's really kind of vaulted off of that. But the crux of our research came down to year over year, as practice time gets reduced, soft tissue injuries go up. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting now to hear you guys throw in that wrinkle of no preseason. I wonder then if injuries were on the rise, but then you saw them fall because there was no live-action football until the games mattered. 
Now, if there's a spike early on in the season, we're going to know it was just, you know, all you did was kick the can down the road. But if you don't see that burst, it would be interesting to see then if they, to your point, maybe don't just reduce the preseason permanently. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I've been watching practices, Dolphin practices, for many years. I'm talking about since the early 90s, possibly late 80s, actually, to, 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 to be completely honest. Because I remember when they were practicing at St. Thomas University, which they would let you basically stand on the sideline and watch the guys. Like, you could actually get run over by Mark Clinton <laughs> catching a pass on the sidelines. Like, that was actually possible if you were watching a practice. And I used to remember what those practices were like. And then the practices under Nick Saban and Jimmy Johnson, those were physical practices. This year, uh, remember I was, I was saying in one of the previous podcasts I was on with you guys, I said that I don't know how they were going to get the team ready to play with as few padded practices as they had. But they did something interesting this year. They put all 14 padded practices back to back. And for whatever reason, there wasn't that many injuries. And I was at every practice. And there was some hitting going on. So, I don't know. Maybe that's something for the future. Maybe they load up on the physicality of camp late in camp instead of early. And maybe that's saving bodies right now. That's an intriguing point of view, Chris. That's something we're going to have to get with Kyle on. Now, when we look at this first game you guys are walking into, it's the Miami Dolphins in Foxborough against the Patriots, the same place they ended their 2019 season. In terms of, because we don't really have a divisional picture yet, everybody's scratch, what would winning this first matchup mean for your football team? I guess it's a statement that the Patriots are probably not going to be that good this year, and the Dolphins might challenge for the division if they get a win the following week against your Bills. So it would set up a pretty important Week 2 game. I don't know how important Week 2 games can be, but this one, I think, would be pretty important if both teams go in there 1-0. Because I, I think the winner of that game, going 2-0, pretty much sets the tone for the rest of the year. I'd agree with that. And I also think that it's one of those things where you, we said it to open the show. You can't lose the season or lose the Super Bowl. You, know, you can't win it week one. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of set the tone. For the season. Mm -hmm. And the way your team comes out and performs is going to say a lot about who they are, about what you think you have. And I know people say, oh, it's overblown because look at all the times the Bills started five and two and they're, Chris, four. Yeah, 2011, I think we started five and five and one and then we went (laughs) six and ten. (laughs) So it doesn't mean, it doesn't give you the whole picture, but what it does give you is a concept of what it is you have. A really bad loss could kind of underscore kind of some of the problems your team has. A really big win could underscore some of the things you have right. Do you think a victory by the Dolphins says more about the Dolphins or does it say more about how bad the Patriots would be? I think it would say a lot about how bad the Patriots would be. And that's not to, you know, to, to say that the Dolphins you know, winning the game you know, would be some huge surprise. They won there last year when they were playing a team that was playing for the number one seed and a bye. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me the least bit if they beat them. But losing again and losing to start the season after, you know, we've had this drumbeat of the Patriots losing 10 starters, including their Hall of Fame quarterback and their kicker now, you know, it has to start, you know, building up in their minds that, okay, this thing is probably over after 20 years. 
I can't even just I, I had to pause for a second as you said it because I'm just I'm looking up in the sky going, please, please, God, if you're out there. Of course, the, the, the terrible thing here is that then we would need the Jets to put the final dagger in them next week. And I don't know if they can. <laughs> who, who knows if that takes place? Who knows what's going to happen? What I do know is this. There is a spread. And this is what we're doing tonight, Chris. Normally, this is where we talk about the standings and we talk about where everyone fits in after their latest game, what's in their future, but we don't have that at our disposal. So instead, I feel like a decent barometer to gauge both the betting community and our guests' individual confidence levels in their team is to talk about how how good they feel about their team versus the spread. I'm looking at the Miami Dolphins opening up the same way the New York Jets and Bills are opening up with a six and a half point line or spread. You guys are plus six and a half. Now, folks, all spreads are brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the official web gambling partner of the Rockpile Report podcast. Now, in listening to your latest show, I hear Simon, who Simon is, folks, for those of you hearing this podcast for the first time or hearing about three yards per carry for the first time, go listen to it if you want a master class in how to do a live read because Simon doesn't care and it's amazing. The best that it's fantastic. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to pick his brain about how he comes up with this or just how he maybe he genuinely is just a nihilist and it comes across in his work. But either way, I digress. It's a thing of beauty. But according to Simon in your latest podcast, his concern is that McDaniels has been really adept at playing, quote unquote, matchup football on offense. How do you feel? I mean, are you worried about the unknown of the New England Patriots? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, like usually, I can watch preseason games and I can start thinking about okay, like this is some of the things that they want to get to, and these could be their pet plays. And I guess this is what we can look for on Sunday. But we don't have that this year. And you know what? What have we seen of them even practicing? Nothing. So we have zero idea what the Patriots are going to do or what they're going to roll out on Sunday. Well, so your co-host Chris Kaufman, he also kind of chimed in with a really, a really great point in your latest show. In 2016, when Brady was suspended, the Patriots went three and one with two different quarterbacks with two dramatically different skill sets: Jacoby mm-hmm. Brissett and uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo. One's mm-hmm. kind of your prototype pocket passer. One's more of a he's a running quarterback. He's a guy that you have to move him around in order to help the offense be effective. And yet they went three and one with their only loss coming to the Buffalo Bills. It was a shutout. It was a shutout in Foxborough, which unfortunately will forever go down with an asterisk because Brady didn't play in the game. And to me, that means absolutely nothing. Now, with that in mind, no one should be shocked if the Patriots can scheme something effective around the talent that they have on hand, as weak as it may be perceived by outsiders. I think it's how prepared their opponents are to deal with it that's going to make a difference with because with no film that's going to be a huge task. Chris, I'm not I would not be shocked to see the Wildcat. I wouldn't be shocked if they if Bill Belichick tries to trot out the triple option. If they ran the wishbone, I I would just have to shrug at it and say well that's yes, I should have seen that coming. <laughs> with all of that in mind, how do you like your team's chances to the tune of uh, getting six and a half points? I would take that. I would take that and and the lines I'm I'm seeing are are plus six. I'll take that. Of course I'll take that. Like uh, this is these lines are all driven by the by Northeast betters. 
running to to their bookies and running to the to the Westgate or or the MGM and just plunking down their money based on their fandom because it's not based on reality. There's no way the Patriots are six points better than the Miami Dolphins right now. They're just not. Wow. So yeah, I would take those six points. Isolate that and stamp it, Chris. There is no way that the, <laughs> there is no way that the Patriots are six points better than the Miami Dolphins. I can't wait to see it in live action. I'm sure you can't either. Why don't you tell all the folks where they can find your podcast that I've now made I've made it a point of listening, where they can find your work and where they can follow you on social media. Well, we're everywhere. You could get us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, you know, anywhere you can get your, your podcast, we're there. Three Yards Per Carry on Twitter. It's at the number three yards per carry. And this Sunday at 1130, we will have our pregame show on the five reasons sports networks youtube channel so look for that you've counted on restaurants now they're counting on you and while their dining rooms may be closed they're still open for delivery with doordash doordash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door ordering is easy open the doordash app choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Hell seems pretty confident as Miami Dolphins, but I think I know somebody who might have something to say to the contrary. We welcome to the show, Mr. Mark Schofield. How are you doing tonight? Chris, Drew, a pleasure to be back with you guys. As always, I see that you guys are drinking water right now, which I'm shocked by. <laughs> only because there are a collection of empties in front of you both. Yes. Oh, you guys please, please point me in the direction of water served in a green bottle. Listen, I'll That's- tell you this. We, we don't fool around here at the Rock Pal Report. So with that in mind, we're talking about your week one matchup. And we're talking about the state of the AFC East in general. Now, if you, long time, we've talked to you enough, we kind of understand how you feel about certain things, so I think I almost might know how you lean towards this. We're trying to get a feel for how everybody's, where everyone's confidence level in their own team is. If you had to describe your 2020 53-man roster in one word, what might it be? It's fine. Like, I mean, it's hard to get that excited about it. A, so much of it's unknown. We haven't seen them in preseason games. And yes, that's all vanilla, bland stuff. But we haven't seen them put on the pads against a different uniform at full speed. So there's a lot that's unknown. You look at the wide receiver room. You look at the tight end room. There are questions at both of those positions. You know, it's uncertain. On defense, it looks good, you know. At all levels of the defense, I think even though they're going to be relying on some untested rookies, Anthony Jennings, your boy from Alabama, Josh Uche. But we don't know. So I think right now, sitting here on a Tuesday night before week one, it's fine. 
it's a serviceable legal NFL roster. Okay. What if you could say anything are you most disappointed in about your 2020 roster? I mean, sitting here right now, the wide receiver position. I mean, I just feel like they could have done more historically and figured out this position. And if you look back at Belichick and how they've handled the wide receiver position, I actually wrote about this for USA Today. Say whatever you want about Bill Belichick, the, f- the football mind. He's obviously a genius, the first ballot in the Hall of Fame, and all of that stuff. But they have gotten the wide receiver position horribly wrong. Like, they've missed so often on this position. Most recently, the trade for Mohamed Sanu, giving up a second-round pick, which seems like, it almost seemed it at the time, and it certainly seems like it now, was a panic move. They were counting on Josh Gordon. They were counting later on Antonio Brown. Those situations didn't pan out. How did you end up counting on two of the most volatile wide receivers in the NFL? Recipe for success, huh? <laughs> so, Belichick strikes me as just such a much more pragmatic human being than that, they, that they I have a hard this. time believing that's the position you guys would be in. Yeah, but look, this is where they ended up. And, it's, and they drafted a first-round wide receiver last year in Akil Harry, and he struggled to get on the same page with Tom Brady. And now you're looking at Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman, Jacoby Myers, Damian Bird, and Gunnar Oshevsky. What is a Gunnar Oshevsky? Like, that's their five wide receivers right now. Like, it, it, they've gotten this position wrong. Yes, they traded for Randy Moss, sure. But as far as getting, like, X and Z receivers, they haven't done it. The only one they've gotten right is probably the slot position. They got Wes Welker. They got Julian Edelman. You know, Danny Amendola. Like, they could get, like, the short, you know, change of direction slot receiver position right. But that's one of three receiver spots on a field. They can't get the other two right. They've struggled in that realm, and it could cost them this year. Do you, uh, can you tell me if they still have Chad Jackson? <laughs> Chad Jackson, Chris, yes. One of the many misses they've had at the wide receivers. <laughs> Drafted that guy, what, in the second round? Correct, second round, like, 36 overall. Yeah. You know, so, Ocho Cinco, that didn't pan out. Like, you look at some of the other receivers that they've drafted over the years. You know, the Aaron Dobson from Marshall, they drafted him early. That guy didn't pan out. They've just missed at the wide receiver position other than slot receivers and trading for Randy Moss. I mean, okay. Are we going to give him a W for trading for a Hall of Famer and Randy Moss? I'm not so sure we can do that. So, when we talk about this, now, obviously, you're not a fan of the skill positions. We look at this matchup. <laughs> I, I honestly was hoping you would say quarterback, just because I, romper. Yeah, romper. Of course, Chris, your brain goes towards fashion. Yeah, because you're a man who wears Chelsea boots. Who, I look good in them. Who has a frosted tip mohawk, which looks great. It does not. Stop it, it does. I swear to God, this is what this is. Some of that, like. It's it's what Russia does, where they try to encourage other things by saying, "Listen, this is it's a terrible thing for that group of people, but we're going to encourage it." Yeah, no, do I that, Chris. Just keep encouraging that frosted tip mohawk. Oh, I want I I see you, and it's hard not to just tackle you through. <laughs> it's just hard not to knock you to the ground. I look like I do sound check for ninety eight degrees. <laughs> You're like one of the stand-ins. You're like this, the guys that used to like block out the sets. Oh, like, yeah. Chris, He's come in. stand in for Nick Lachey now. Chris is waiting in the wings. He knows all the steps way. to the dance moves. Yeah. So with that in mind, you're talking about a week and one matchup against the team 
that unceremoniously ended your 2019 season, that relegated you to the wild card round that ended your season. <laughs> you guys are at home with a relatively unknown group of skill players against a relative unknown in this new Miami Dolphins team. First of all, just what would a week one win and a week one loss mean to you and your franchise? I mean, I think this is one of those situations, Drew, where a week one win from New England, and I don't think it really moves the needle. I think people will just view it as, look, you're supposed to win this game. It's Miami. They started Ryan Fitzpatrick. Most of their receiving core, a lot of those guys opted out. You've got Devontae Parker, who obviously, look, had a great game against Stephon Gilmore in Week 17. I just rewatched those guys and what they did against each other Week 17 today. Um, but he missed a week of training camp with a minor but undisclosed injury. So if New England wins this game, people will just say, okay, well, we kind of expected them. If they lose this game... You want to talk about moving needles. Like, it's going to be like a full-on panic situation. All the happy, glowing words of Bill Belichick instead of a Cam Newton, how excited everybody has been about maybe, you know, Cam Newton might have the magic back. That all goes out the window if they lose this game. Now, depending on how they lose, it might be a different discussion come next Monday. If it's because the offense can't get going, yeah, it's going to be all about Cam Newton. If it's because the defense somehow struggles, then it's going to be about – you know, Dante Hightower and Patrick Chun and the guys that decided to opt out and then some of the decisions that they made. If, God forbid, from a Patriots fan's perspective, the rookie safety from Lenore Ryan at Division II school, Kyle Duggar, if he struggles, if he looks lost out there, there's going to be a lot of, you drafted a Division II safety, there will be, look, we all know that the Monday after the Week 1 games is overreaction Monday. You know, regardless, whatever city you're in in the National Football League, people are going to overreact one way or another. This has the potential to be the greatest overreaction Monday of all time, given that this is the first action we're going to see. And so if this is, for example, Kyle Duggar looking lost out there, he will be a bust, period, full stop, end of discussion, if they lose and he looks lost on Monday. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those games where, you know, it's not like a situation where they're starting up against Kansas City, right? It's not like they're playing Thursday night, going into Arrowhead. You know, season opener. If they lost that game, people would be like, okay, well, no big deal. That's fine. They lose to Miami. There's going to be panic. <laughs> so, Chris, with that in mind, they're six and a half point favorites. Six and a half point favorites, according to betonline.ag. Now, that's a lot of confidence coming out of Vegas. Mark, do you share their opinion of this week one matchup? And also, I mean, just how much camp tape do you think Bilicic has already gotten his hands on? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Didn't have that one on the run sheet there, guys. Didn't see that little addition to the question. Didn't see that one. Um, all of it, by the way, is the answer to that question. He's seen all of it, okay? Everything. And he knows how many beers you've had tonight, Drew, too. Nah, don't t- just don't tell my wife. We'll be fine. No, no, no he, he won't either. He knows, you know, he knows the protocol. He knows, no. he knows the protocol. Yeah. Um, I don't know if six and a half does seem like a lot in this game, you know? I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm surprised that Vegas actually even had odds, you know, on a lot of these games because there's just so much uncertainty. You know, it, it would have almost made sense. I don't know. I understand why they wouldn't do it, but almost have every game as a pick just because we just don't know. Um, this could be a situation where, 
you know, Miami comes in and they're like the Dolphins we've seen from, you know, for the majority of the last two years. And New England wins this thing comfortably and then everybody sort of calms down. But would it surprise me if, you know, New England doesn't cover? No. Would it surprise me if New England loses this game? A tiny bit, but not completely. I mean, there's just so many uncertainties right now and there's so much changeover right now. And you've got a new quarterback in a new system trying to learn it on a condensed time frame. Like there's a lot of questions going into this game, obviously from both teams. But from New England's perspective, there are questions about this team, this roster, the position groups, the skill groups and everything. And it's a lot. And we're going to find out pretty soon, you know, just exactly what they do have in Cam Newton. So, you know, would I take New England here? I'm not so sure I would. Now, one of the narratives that we talked about with the, uh, the Miami group is just this concept that they've, McDaniels and your group have been very adept at playing matchup football over the years. And I, I believe that because you look at what they did without Brady the last time they had to do it. You used two different quarterbacks, but you won, you went three and one until you, obviously, obviously until you ran into the infallible Rex Ryan Buffalo Bills and then got shut out at home. But I mean, besides, besides that game, you, <laughs> besides that game, you guys did well with two totally different skill sets. And what that says is that your head, your offensive coordinator and head coach can come up with a game plan that really skill set doesn't matter. So with that in mind, do you think that the lack of a preseason for te- for opponents to get film on you guys? I mean, I know you have all of it. You have all the AFC's film already. For you guys to have none of your opponents have film on you and the type of offense you're going to roll out with Cam Newton at the helm, which is a complete polar shift from Tom Brady. Do you think that's a positive or a negative for the New England Patriots? I mean, I think it's a positive. I think Newton has sort of talked about that. He talked about it recently in a press call or a Zoom call, basically saying that, you know, he was asked about what the offense will look like, and he said that's for you guys to see on Sunday, but we've got a lot of stuff in the works. And so it is sort of the big question mark in terms of the Patriots' offense and their schematics this year. Is it going to be like we've seen with, with Tom Brady and, you know, timing and rhythm and quick passing stuff? Or is it going to be the Cam Newton offenses we've seen where it's a lot of back shoulder throws and vertical stuff? Are they going to incorporate his legs? If so, how and how often? And, and so there are a lot of different ways they can go. So I think it's going to be tough to game plan for them. If you're Brian Flores, if you're this Miami defensive staff, like what are you going to prepare for? You know, you've got years of film on New England. You've got years of film on Cam Newton. But you don't have years of film on Cam Newton in New England. So it, that's going to make it tough to defend. You know, but at the same time, Miami has a new offensive coordinator in Chan Gailey. Um, they might be doing some different things. Um, you've certainly played Ryan Fitzpatrick before. Ryan Fitzpatrick has done a number on you, included in the most recent game in Gillette, other than the playoff loss to Tennessee. And so, you know, I think both teams are going to have to try to figure things out. A lot of coaches, Belichick included, have compared this in many ways to the, the college game where you don't have preseason games. You think you know what you have on an offense and on defense, but then that week one game kicks off and suddenly you're like, oh, we're benching our starting quarterback because he just doesn't have it. Like we, we didn't have a chance to figure it out. Now we have a chance and he's just not the guy. So, I mean, there will be some adjustments. There will be a feeling out process. We might see some ugly football this week. Um, but I, I think New England has an advantage in the sense that their offense is going to be potentially extremely different from what we've seen in years past. Man, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to get this first week of NFL football 
under our belts. You've already said you like them with the spread. I guess the only thing left is to talk about where people can find you and the rest of your work on social media. Well, gentlemen, always a blast to be on with you. Oh, keep rocking it. You guys, just always a blast coming on. As for me, at Mark Schofield on the old Bird app. Um, follow along with the hijinks over there. We have fun debates all the time, like is Aaron Donald actually good, which is apparently the debate we're going to be having in today's football land. I um, saw that, and that blew my, my fucking mind. Aaron Donald, his, his, just the fact that that's up for debate, I, well, I digress. Hey, Tell people yeah. where they can find that. Jesus I mean, Christ. They can shortly find my response to that over at touchdownwire.usatoday.com or Doug Ferrara to cover the NFL for USA Today. Also, uh, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation with the QB Factory and Michael Kiss. That's the podcast over there. And the Sco Show over at Pat's Pulpit. Um, just dropped episode 32, which will pop up in the morning. My Dolphins Patriots preview. But follow me on Twitter. Or don't. Either way, I don't care. If you like Winnie the Pooh reaction memes. Seriously. Sco and the Winnie the Pooh guy. masks. He has it. He has the masks. That's 20 bucks ever. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Now, folks, I know that that's just an advertisement. It's, it's an ad. And, yes, we get paid for running it during our show. But I'll tell you this. As a, as I've been a season ticket holder for years now. Years. Almost a decade. And I've had the Sunday ticket for at least half of that, if not more. There's something to be said for... Think about it. You come home from the stadium, it's a long day. Chris, we've been doing this together for how long? Three years. It's a long day. You come home, you want to relax, and you want to watch a game on TV, and you turn it on, and the only game that's on that you get on your normal broadcast channel is a 20-3 to snooze fest 10 minutes into the second quarter. You're stuck. Yeah. You can't watch a good football game. I just can't abide by that. And on, it's, and on away game weeks, when I'm at home, I like knowing that I'm going to get to watch the best football games of the week every single week. Yep, generally have uh, the Bills game on one television and then another game on the other television. And especially now with all this COVID stuff going on, I mean, I get it. Support your local bars and restaurants. But if you can't, or you're just not comfortable, or you don't have one nearby. Or you don't have social skills. <laughs> don't let that hold you back from a fantastic season of NFL football. Use the promo code and sign up. Chris, we've gotten multiple tweets and emails from people talking about how they've already signed up because they had the promo code and the 15% off. Use it. Get out there, people. Go enjoy some football. You've earned it. 2020, 2020's been hell. You've earned yourself some NFL football. And so, Chris, we move on to our second AFC East matchup of the weekend. And to help us, you know, we spent a lot of time during our Rock Pile Report podcast talking about this, but to help us kind of see this thing through, we have Mr. Scott Mason of the Play Like a Jet podcast. How are you, sir? Hey, guys. How's it going? Nice weather here in New Jersey. I can't say that it's going to be a beautiful day at the stadium on Sunday because 
no one's going to be there, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it's one of the most you're you're the third person to bring it up, and I seriously want I want to start chewing on the neck of this bottle. I'm frustrated. It's in, it's in, it's an infuriating situation. But before I get on my soapbox, we have a podcast to record. <laughs> so with that said, we're asking three questions of every single one of our guests. Your New York Jets are taking on our Buffalo Bills this weekend. Now, all the final cuts are in. If you had to describe the makeup of your 2020 53-man roster using just one word, what would it be? Is eh a word? (laughs) Because that's probably the word I would use, to be honest with you. I mean, look, we talked about this a little bit the last time that I talked to you guys, but the reality is this is year one of the rebuild, so you can't really be expecting miracles. They're the guys that everyone's excited to watch. Denzel Mims looks like he's going to play week one. We don't know what we're going to get out of him because he hasn't played at all during training camp. Makai Becton, everybody's really excited to watch him. People are looking forward to seeing if Sam Darnold can take that leap in year three. And, of course, Quentin Williams, everybody's got their eyes on him on the defensive side of the ball. But the overall roster is what it is. It's sort of a not great roster at corner. The best corner they have is Pierre Desir, who A, hasn't played at, in training camp because he's been hurt, and B, last year he wasn't good. The year before that he was fine, but he wasn't anything special. So this could be kind of like 2017 when the Jets' best corner was Morris Claiborne. You look at the edge rushers, Jordan Jenkins is okay. Terrell Basham, if he plays, is okay. But they really don't have a whole lot there. The offensive line, Connor McGovern's pretty good. And you're looking forward to watching Beckton, but the rest of the line is just kind of, uh. So if you go through each position, really, that's just kind of what I look at. I think the Jets have a really talented defensive line. Beyond that, I mean, running back, I suppose, because Le'Veon Bell's really good, but it's going to require blocking. As Scott's talking, the only thing I hear is just one giant shrug. It sounds to me like your whole roster could be just encapsulated in just one piece of body language. That is hysterical to me. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a fair characterization, to be honest with you, Drew. I think a shrug is sort of how I would describe my feelings on the roster. It's there. It's okay. But it's not anything that anybody should be getting excited about. But everybody kind of knows that this is a transition year. You hope so. But I t- the Jets fans I talk to, there's a lunatic fringe of your fan. There's a lunatic fringe of every fan base. I know some Jets fans that I think have been huffing paint because they're on Facebook talking about how disappointed we Bills fans are going to be after Sunday. I love it. I love the smack talk. Now, in that, in, in, with that in mind, you know, we've been all night talking to people about what a week one win or loss would mean to our respective teams and to the fan bases tied to them. I guess the question is, a loss to this Jets team, on a scale of 1 to 10, where does it register? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Jets can win this game. I know they're six and a half point underdogs, but the reality is, as we know, none of these teams have had a lot of time to really get a cohesive unit together. They haven't really played together too much. So you could catch a team off guard. Plus, there's no home field advantage, which plays into the Jets, uh, plays into their um, bag of tricks, perhaps, because they don't have to necessarily deal with drowning out the crowd. As you know, the crowd in Buffalo can be pretty loud. So I think the Jets have a decent chance to win this thing. I'd say there's at least a 50% chance that they can cover the spread. 
obviously there's a reason the Bills are 6.5 point favorites, but the reality of it is that anything can happen week one. Look, last year we saw what happened with the Jets and the Bills. The Jets were this close to winning that game with Sam Darnold apparently having mono until at the end the Bills made a rally. So we don't really know what to expect week one. We know that the Bills have a much more talented roster, but this is the type of situation where a team like the Jets might be able to catch lightning in a bottle. Okay, so if you, so, you feel pretty confident that this six because that's one that's that's one of the questions we've been asking, and it sounds like you're pretty confident about this six and a half point spread. You think the Jets can cover that? I'm not saying I'm confident. I think it's about a fifty fifty proposition. I but think so you, if I but fifty fifty, no, 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 we don't waffle here. We don't waffle here at the Rockpile Report. You stake your name to something, covering the spread. It's a tough question because, honestly, without seeing these guys in real game action at all in the summer and without really knowing enough about what the Bills would look like in training camp, it's hard for me to say whether or not. I I think, like I said, the best That's why this exercise is is, so fun. That's why this exercise (laughs) is so fun. You're going with your gut. You're going with gut feeling, instinct, and obviously your fandom is just going to bleed over into it. Do you? Okay, with that in mind, I'll answer the question. If I had to bet, I would say that the Jets will lose but cover the spread. How's that? All right. Chris, covering the spread. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I mean, it's a big ask. And I guess when you jump off of it and you look at it for what it means to the – because we've talked ad nauseum about what this means to Bills fans. Over in last week's show, we had Joe Caparoso kind of – you know, he runs Turn on the Jets, where your podcast is found. He joined us for the show, and we talked a lot about just the lopsidedness from a skill pers- perspective of this matchup. So the fact that this dynamic still exists, I think this speaks to just the nature of week one in the NFL, specifically week one in the NFL where there is no preseason. So you really don't know what it is you're walking into. You know, Elf Artiaga earlier tonight was talking about how Nobody has any tape on their opponents. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, you know, if anything, like he's talking about how that's concerning when it comes to the New England Patriots because they've proven that they can run multiple offenses. They can be whatever they have to be in order to win a football game. So with that in mind, the New York Jets, Chris, maybe a universe exists out there somewhere where these New York Jets stroll into Orchard Park and aren't the tire fire that we as the outside world see them to be. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> They are all of the tires on fire. Goodyear, <laughs> Michelin, Kelly I mean, tires, all of them. What a lot of this comes down to for me is two things. Sam, well, I should say two people, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. If Sam Darnold can get in a rhythm, if he can put some points on the board, and if the Jets defense with Greg Williams, who you guys are familiar with because obviously he was in Buffalo, if Greg Williams can come up with good ways to keep Josh Allen from making any real big plays – as you guys know, I'm not a huge believer in Josh Allen. If he can do that and they can keep it close, I don't see a reason that they can't potentially cover the spread. I wouldn't be a thousand percent shocked if they came up with the upset, but I certainly wouldn't bet on it. I think that really what this boils down to is, like you said, we have no tape. We don't know exactly how these guys are going to look. They're obviously very rusty. None of them have played in game action. So this is one of those weeks where, because of all these weird X factors, you could catch lightning in a bottle early in the season. Now, if this game was halfway through the year, 
I would probably think a lot differently because by then everybody would sort of be known to everybody would kind of understand what they these teams are. But now it could be a little bit more of a wild card. Okay, so now that you've spent a fair amount of time waffling on this point of whether or not you like the spread, I'm (laughs) going to make I'm going to sweeten the pot. How about this? Just you and me, you and me. I will give you 10 points. I'll give you 10. The Buffalo Bills, in my opinion, will cover the 10-point spread. If I'm right, you take the Jets. Loser drinks the Seagrams on our next our, our next AFC's Roundup podcast. A Seagram's <laughs> well, I'm escapes not a dr- wine I'm cooler. not a drinker, so can we make it a Diet Coke or something? <laughs> we'll come up with an appropriate punishment, but if I give you the line, 10 and a half, because we bet shame here. I don't want people's money. I want something sure. embarrassing. If that's the case, and I give you 10, will you take it? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Bang! And that is how you debate. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find your work and where they can what you have coming up at over at Play Like a Jet this week? So you can find me, as you mentioned, at turnonthejets.com. You can download the podcast. Anywhere where you download podcasts, Apple, Google, whatever other companies have podcast apps. Plus, obviously, you can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we've got a lot of stuff coming up this week. We're going to preview the game. Plus, your old friend Joe Blewett is going to come on and talk some more film. We've got a couple of beat reporters that just came on to talk about what they saw at camp and how it compares to the way the 53-man roster shook out. We're going to have a pregame report that will include mailbag questions with Chris Nimbley, an injury report, and a whole bunch of other things. So if you want to hear about this game from the Jets' side of the ledger, you can come over to Play Like a Jet and check us out. <sighs> so here we are. Here we are. The Buffalo Bills were at the – Chris, we have to be fair here, right? It wouldn't be fair if we just made our guests answer our questions. Correct. We get in the pool with them. One word. One word that you would use to describe our 53-man roster. The Bills' 53-man roster, uh, I'd probably go with depth. Depth. That's a good one. I think we, got, I think we got depth everywhere. We now, had, unless these injuries start piling up. We had an in-depth conversation with both Greg Thompson of Cover One and Bruce Nolan, the summit of the smart people. We had that on, uh, earlier this week in the Rockpile Report podcast that we recorded. We talked about this in depth, this concept that this might be the deepest Bills roster in terms of talent that I've seen in my adult life, easily in yours. Yes. I think that's a perfect word to encapsulate what we're looking at. Now, in terms of what a win or a loss would mean to us in this game, you know, as we talked about in the Rockpile Report this week with Turn on the Jets host Joe Caparoso, this game means a ton. Chris, we're not... Picture it from this perspective. You're favored not just in this matchup, but by some in the division race. And depending on who you ask, you should be a contender in the AFC as a whole. Your coach has publicly advocated that as an NFL football team, you have to quote-unquote defend your dirt. Meanwhile, your opponent's coached by a national laughingstock. And he boasts what I think is perceived by outsiders, as has been the tenor of all the conversations we've had with the various Jets personalities that we've worked with this offseason, as one of the most under-talented rosters, shallowest rosters, in the NFL. 
pundits, podcasters, analysts, everybody I think agrees that this might be one of the worst Jets teams from a talent standpoint that they've seen in a long time. Yes, and they are shallow, just like your personality. (laughs) Now, from a fan perspective, I get nervous. I feel like games like this are why being a Colts fan during the Peyton Manning heyday must have really sucked. If you win, sure, you're going to feel pretty good about it. But about as good, if I had to compare it to something, it would be as good as you'd feel when you get in bed and realize you still have your socks on. So you take them off and you throw them at the laundry basket. And when you make it and even sure that you don't actually have to get out of bed and pick them up, that's what winning this game would feel like. You're happy you get a little thrill out of it. But let's face it, Bills fans everywhere expect this to be a victory. But if you lose, holy shit. God help us all if the Buffalo Bills were to drop this game. Can you imagine the outrage? Yes, there would be a ton of outrage if we lose this game to Adam Gase and the Jets. We should not be losing this game. I think that they should, think about from a national perspective how much how much flack we would take for losing to this Jets team. Chris, I'm, it concerns me. As a fan, the amount of emotion, if you just wanted to weigh it like a scale, Chris, and on one side you're piling up all the, all the emotions you would have if the Bills won versus all the emotions you would have if the Bills lost, it's almost immeasurable. I mean, it's, Chris, it's not even comparable. And that alone should give everybody a little bit of pause. <laughs> We're going to feel way worse about this if they, if they lose than if they win. And for that reason alone, I feel like they have to win this game. Yeah, I don't see why we, sh- why we wouldn't. Now, as far as the spread goes and our confidence in that, I'll say this. The Bills, according to BetOnline.ag, are six and a half points favorite. History has not been kind to the Bills when they're big favorites. In 1992, we were 17-point favorites, and we lost 24-17 to to the New York Jets. Back in 2019, remember the day I made that kid in front of us cry? No, because it's happened several times. The Miami Dolphins game, where my criticism of Josh Allen with no profanity was so scathing that a 12-year-old burst into tears. Well, you know, what else are you going to do? He's 12. He's thin-skinned. We were 17-point we were favorites at home. And we were trailing the Miami Dolphins 14 to 9, entering the fourth quarter before roaring back to win the game 31 to 21. Nowhere near the spread. So, with that in mind, Chris, I don't know how comfortable. How comfortable are you being a big favorite? Uh, very comfortable. Comfortable like me with women. Very comfortable. <laughs> very comfortable. Oh my god! I believe we will cover the spread. I'm nervous. I'm. You're nervous. always nervous. Of course I am. Because we haven't path. been we haven't been good in 20 years, and even though all of the projective outlines for this season have us being good, you are you still in the in the back of your head believe that we'll be seven and nine. I'm sorry if that five and if that five and one start with Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't leave me with PTSD. All right, I need to see it. I have to watch it happen before I'm going to start believing in it. Even though my inner fan, Chris, I'm already, my inner fan is already screaming. I, I want to drive down to the sports book now and put in a bet. Or go online over at Bet Online and put in a bet on this. But I can't do it yet because the pragmatic part of my brain has control right up until about 11.30 on Sunday morning. 
That's when all that's when everything's going to come off the rails. But with that, I do feel somewhat comfortable that we can walk away from this covering the spread. If you guys want to know more about why I feel so comfortable, you got to head over to our Rock Power Report podcast that we recorded earlier this week. It dropped, I believe, yesterday, Chris? Yeah, Tuesday. All right. It dropped yesterday. Our keys to victory. One of my favorite segments of every show. There's some stuff in there that it's eye-opening in terms of why I feel like this mismatch is a particularly... There's some gross mismatches out there that the Bills can exploit. You're going to have to go check it out. Now, Chris, normally we would look to end every AFC East Roundup podcast with a synopsis of the division and look at what's at stake in this week's games. Here you have the whole division playing itself. Now, Elf kind of teased in his uh, in his segment here to start the show that a win by the Dolphins would set them up nicely for another win, uh, another game against a Buffalo Bills team that would conceivably be 1-0. And as you heard in the intro to the Tonight Show, there is some real optimism. This isn't just, I mean, this is a professional. He, what was it, their NBC affiliate? Yeah, NBC6 okay. down in South Florida. This is a professional broadcaster from their from the NBC affiliate in South Florida talking about how this team isn't just, hey, we think we could be 500. The optimism is we think we could be a contender. Yeah. Well, I think he's, I think, I think Adam Beasley's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I think he's confident. And I think he saw some of the same things that Elf had. And he's a little more optimistic than Elf is. Yeah. I think he's crazy because he also doesn't, has zero faith in Josh Allen, which I don't know. I don't know what's, what's worse. Beasley's. Josh Allen take or Manish Mehta's Josh Allen takes. <laughs> They're both horrid. In your opinion, who has the most to win and who has the most to lose this week? Um, geez, I hope the... I think the Patriots have a lot to lose. I'd agree with that. I think to a certain degree. They, I mean, Chris, it's funny because we have a listener who commented on Reddit. He goes, you constantly say Chris's name throughout the course of the podcast, like before you start a sentence, you identify him by his first name as if we forgot it. Yeah. And then he was like, well, I hope you don't change the way you, I hope it didn't make you self-conscious. I was like, man, I do shirtless promos for, for charting our alcoholism. (laughs) You're not going to make me self-conscious. I think you saying my name might be second behind ultimately as your crutches. I am the ultimately warrior. But with that in mind, I agree with you that the Patriots may be. It's been said before, most most recently, I think the Nature Boy Ric Flair was famous for it. Ooh. If you want to beat the man, you want to beat the man, you got to beat the man. Ooh. So the Patriots still are, you know, they're the reigning champions of the AFC East. Until someone dethrones them or makes them look vulnerable, no one's in the national community is going to buy it. No matter what we here think. So I do think they have the most to lose here. And as far as the most to gain, Chris, it might be the Jets. Yeah. Uh, that might be, I mean, maybe next week I'd like them to win to give their fan base a little bit of false hope that they that they that might be good. You, are? you want yeah. them to have false hope? Yeah. Not them to have false hope. Like, maybe Adam Gase does know what he's doing. No, he doesn't. He's a scab. <laughs> And a stain and an embarrassment to Rich Gotite. 
<laughs> for challenging his mantle of worst coach ever? Yes. Oh, God. Now, I think the Jets probably have the most to gain because as the team that's pro- that's widely viewed as the biggest mess out of all of our, out of our entire division, a win here would set them up. I think it would put everyone on notice that maybe they've made too much of too many things in prognosticating talent. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it pans out, and I am ready to talk so much smack about it next week when we bring everybody back for week two of the AFC Roundup. Chris, we got to get the hell out of here. It's late. Thanks for showing up, everybody. We'll see you next week. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This is our wonderful panel of guests. Make sure you go follow them all on social media. And this has been the AFC East Roundup. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.